What's going on, coaches? We've had a very productive week here at, at Broken Arrow, easing our kids back into working out. It's been uh, an unbelievable uh, first three days just getting to see our kids' faces. Um, obviously, you guys know how much you've missed your kids, but uh, it's been really, really cool. I think the other uh, important and you know interesting thing to see is how excited those kids are to work out, how excited they are to come to summer workouts uh, with – them missing so much of their year and of the weight room and getting away from things, how a lot of our players or several of our players have gotten a lot better uh, with that rest or with missing the weight room um, and, and wanting to get back in here and now getting after it. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how everything goes moving forward. Uh, if you guys need anything from us, uh, from working out to special teams, offense, defense. You can find anything you guys need in our podcasts and our videos uh, all over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Story of the Season. Story of the Season helps high school and college football teams share their story like never before. Each week, they collect all your video highlights, articles, interviews, and other content and publish a digital game recap magazine that captures everything that happened on and off the field. At the end of the season, they publish a digital yearbook covering each game. The revenue schools make from selling our subscriptions and ads more than covers the production fee and provides coaches with an extra funding for their program. Story of the season requires zero effort for coaches and gives them an incredible tool to engage the world with their team. Contact Chris Herman by emailing chris at storyoftheseason.com to learn more or call 518-944-944. Three three one one, or find them over at Twitter at Story the Season. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a ten week off season football training program with a two a day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Matt Ogle. Coach Ogle is the OC at Nashville Christian School in Nashville, Tennessee. Listen, we talk with Coach Ogle about coaching on both sides of the ball as a quarterback coach and safeties coach, and how he develops quarterbacks in the offseason. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Coach Matt Ogle. Hope you guys enjoy. raised in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so I actually went to Nashville Christian High School, um, which is actually where I'm teaching and coaching now. Um, so I, I went there uh, ninth grade through 12th grade and, and kind of played a few different positions. Um, ended up kind of settling down as a quarterback and safety, um, you know, and, and, and had the opportunity. I wasn't, you know, a great player by any means, but, um, you know, had the opportunity to go play at the next level and, um, you know, went and played at Cumberland University uh, here in Tennessee for a year. Um, but things didn't quite work out so well. You know, I was young and uh, wasn't exactly ready to play college football yet. Uh, 
you know, mentally or physically. So things didn't quite work out there for me. And uh, we decided to, to move on. So, uh, you know, long story short, um, I ended up transferring over to Kentucky Christian University, um, which is where, um, you know, that's the school that really molded me. I met a lot of people there who um, really impacted my life uh, in a great way. Uh, so I transferred there, there to Kentucky Christian University. Um, you know, I think, I think that school's been mentioned once by, uh, on your podcast, Brennan Marion was actually there for a short period of time. I think he mentioned mm-hmm. that. Um, and everything he said is absolutely true. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's a one, uh, one stoplight town. Um, but it's a great place to go to school. Um, you know, not many distractions. So I, I got there, started out as a quarterback, um, but the guy ahead of me was just better. So I was a backup. Um, so they wanted me get, wanted to get me on the field somewhere. So they moved me to safety, ended up playing a little bit of safety and special teams. Uh, some things happened. I ended up going back to quarterback, playing a little bit of quarterback. Um, you know, so I had a lot of opportunity to, to, to learn on both sides of the ball and, and special teams as well, uh, which, was, which was awesome. At the time, you know, it was kind of chaotic and, you know, I didn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it was great being able to, to play all those different positions and, and help out where I can. Um, and so I ended up playing a couple of years there. Um, and then prior to my junior year, uh, unfortunately, I suffered a few concussions over my time and, and actually had to quit playing uh, right before my junior season. We decided to kind of hang that up and, and you know, just felt that it was best for me to, uh, you know, quit playing at that time. Um, so I ended up graduating from there. And, you know, it was really kind of a strange journey, you know. Um, so at Kentucky Christian, I majored in education. That's what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be a teacher, uh, but I had never really considered coaching before. It wasn't really something that I had planned on doing. Uh, so I, I graduate from KCU and uh, moved back home to Nashville, and I'm looking for a job, trying to find anything I can, and it's, uh, it's not working out real well. I'm sending resumes everywhere. I'm going to meet people in person uh, and not getting a call back, not getting an interview, nothing. So actually, a friend of mine recommended uh, that I apply for a coaching job at a, a school uh, nearby, um, Ravenwood High School here in uh, Brentwood, Tennessee. And, you know, it, it, I don't know if you guys know Ravenwood or not, um, but they've had, you know, a, a lot of good seasons here. Uh, so that was in 2016. Well, the year prior, they just won the state championship. So I'm thinking, okay, there's no way they're going to hire this, you know, 22-year-old kid who's never coached before. Um, and they're definitely not going to hire him as a teacher either. Well, so I, I apply, um, end up getting the call. I sit down and interview and, and end up getting the opportunity to go there and start coaching, uh, get my first opportunity to coach and teach. So I got there. I was an interim English teacher for a little bit and also coached uh, quarterbacks, uh, which was an awesome opportunity. I got to coach with a lot of uh, great guys there. Um, Richie Westman was our head coach there. Uh, he spent some time with the some time with the Titans, and uh, I think he was with Clemson and USC for a while. Um, and then another guy on that staff was Bernard Pollard, who played in the NFL for uh, about eight years, eight or nine years. Uh, it was really cool to be able to sit down and, and talk ball with him. You know, he's a super smart guy, uh, knows the game, uh, you know, way better than I did at the time. Um, so from there, you know, I, I didn't really plan on coaching, like I said. It was kind of just one of those things I kind of fell into. Uh, about halfway through that season, I realized, man, this is something I really like to do. Like, I love doing this. I love, you know, talking to the kids, you know, scheming uh, things up, getting, getting ready each week uh, to, to play our game. And uh, about halfway through that season, I thought, man, this might be something I want to do at the college level. Well, 
the season ends, uh, some things happen, and I get a call from uh, from Mike Furry and uh, Brady. I think have you been uh, have you been talking to Mike a little bit on Twitter? A little bit, yes, sir. Yeah, so so Mike, he, uh, you know, I don't want to tell his whole story because he'd be somebody great to have on the podcast. But uh, basically, right now he's he's the receivers coach for the Bears, and uh, he coached me for one season at Kentucky Christian University, which is where I kind of connected with him and and got to know him a little bit. So he calls me up, and uh, he lets me know that they have an, an opening on the staff, and uh, they're at Limestone College, is where he was at the time. Uh, it's a Division two school in South Carolina. So he calls me up. Uh, tells me that there's an there's a an opening and he wants me to come coach for him. Um, however, um, you know at the time Limestone they had only had a football program for I think three years at the time, and so they didn't have a whole lot of paid positions. So he's asking me to come up there and uh, you know and coach for free, which which at the time I you know it was awesome. Like I was all about it. You know I was 23 years old. I'm ready to go coach some college football. Um, although it wasn't you know. You know, it was kind of a strange situation. It wasn't the uh, most ideal. You know, I'm not making any money, but um, I was all over it. I remember he called me. I'm, I'm in the car uh, driving on the interstate. He calls me up and asks me if I want to do it. And without even thinking, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm coming up there. I'm, I'm coming to coach for you. So he, he asked me to do that. I moved to South Carolina about a week later. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 23 years old. And I'm coaching, you know, quarterbacks at the time. Um, which was, you know, an awesome experience. I had to do a lot of learning really quickly. I had to learn how to, you know, build relationships, especially with guys who are about the same age as me. You know, I'm coaching guys who are you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, you know, I have them in the room. So I, I got to really learn how to, you know, how to manage that room, have, how to manage personalities, but then, you know, get these guys to buy in, um, you know, and, and trust me. Um, so I was there at Limestone for a little bit, ended up, coaching some uh, tight ends as well during my time there. Um, and from there, uh, you know, I interviewed for a, di a few different jobs um, at some different colleges around, um, but really felt that I was being called to go back to high school coaching, um, which is something that I'm extremely passionate about. I, I love uh, being able to help young men, um, you know, academically, on the field, um, you know, and spiritually, that's something that that's, that's big for me is I, you know, I'm a Christian and that's something that's very important to me. So, you know, I just felt a calling to, you know, get back and start, you know, helping mold young men. So I ended up being able to come back to Nashville. Um, and I got a job offer from Nashville Christian school. Like I said, um, things kind of came full circle and, uh, I'm actually now teaching seventh grade language arts and coaching high school football and, and high school basketball there. And, uh, and on that staff, I'm, uh, I'm the quarterback's coach and safety's coach, and I uh, help kind of coordinate the offense a little bit. So that's kind of my story. Um, you know, it's funny how things kind of come, come full circle, you know, Nashville Christian, Nashville Christian, and then, you know, being able to be coached by, you know, Coach Furry and some other guys on that staff at Kentucky Christian, and then being able to coach with them uh, a few years later there at Limestone. It's uh, pretty neat to see, but it's awesome uh, to be able to get that experience. That's a that's a really really cool story. I, I always get I'm always enamored with the guys that that it, you know at, at any age um, decide to pick football over at first. You know even making any money. I mean going out there and doing it um, with no pay just because they love football and 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 just want to be a part of a, uh, a a great program. I always think that's a um, it's always a really really cool uh, story. Anytime anyone anyone gives that, we've had a, a few of them, but either that or they're making almost nothing as a GA. It's very similar to me. I think it's just a, it's a really cool 
thing to look at and, and it it's something that Walls has always has always gone on uh you know when he talks about interviewing guys uh for you know, a position it's really easy to say how much do you love football and then the guys say oh I really love football football's awesome uh but then uh it's another thing to say okay well you know give me some examples of of how you love football and and for you it would be a a very very easy sell uh, on that question. Yeah, I tell you what, it's funny. I'm sure there's a lot of stories that, you know, I kind of forget about. But, you know, those coaches there at Limestone really helped me out. Um, you know, I have a lot of really good friends on that staff. And they helped me out with, you know, meal plans there in the cafeteria. But, you know, the biggest thing was a living situation. So um, I actually lived with a couple other guys on the staff there. But they only had a couple of bedrooms. So we literally took a bed and put it in the hallway of this house. And I slept on this mattress in this hallway for about, you know, my entire time there, about 16 months that I lived there. <laughs> so people would be coming into the house, and uh, the first thing you see is my, is my bed and, and, you know, some, and a little dresser kind of made up right there. <laughs> Your bedroom. Yeah. So I, I had a lot of visitors. I had a lot of guys walking through the hallway visiting me. <laughs> Lots of visitors. Uh, there – it is hilarious. I mean, you get so many of those situations where it's like, hey, you know, I got, I got an extra bed or I got a place you can stay. And, you know, you, you don't even know who some of these people are. You're like, man, I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't know if I can get along with these people or, you know, how clean they are and things like that. But it really doesn't matter. But I mean, I remember, you know, when I, when I was trans, transitioning to, to Tulsa and I'm trying to find another place to live and, uh, and the strength coaches, you know, uh, Coach Cutchlow is like, hey, I got a, I got a place downstairs, and, and I'll just, he was like, I'll just put up a, you know, like a, like a tarp, or I'll put up something that, you know, that, that'll hang in the middle, and you'll have your own place down there. And he's, you know, like, dude, I'm, I'm not gonna come down and stay in that situation. But you know, again, you find your other GAs, and those end up, like you said, being your, your buddies for life, and, and guys you, you haven't heard from in a long time. You know, there's a couple of guys I hadn't talked to maybe in a year, and it's just like, you know, you're, you're friends for life. It doesn't matter. They need anything. You know, it's it's such a cool deal, I think, and and you learn so much football was the biggest part for me. I mean, you know, I've told Coach Harper again and again, you know, the best part about, you know, not having a lot of money and, and not having a lot of other things to do was I was laser focused on learning football, like like period. So I got to do that literally for a career and I had a blast doing it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that, Brady. And that, that's all you're doing is, is football, you know. Um so I, while I was there at Limestone, I had an opportunity to go see uh, to go visit Clemson and uh, where else did we go? Went th- down to Alabama and Georgia, and you know just got to experience some of those other coaches uh, coaching. You know, I remember I got to sit in that Georgia uh, QB room with uh, at the time you know it was Jake Fromm and and Jacob Eason before he had transferred out, and I remember sitting in that QB room and just being like, man, these guys they know their stuff, you know, and it was just very cool to see how how the coach there. Um, you know, just kind of brought everything together and, and pulled the best out of his guys. Um, but like you said, you know, I, I you know, I certainly wasn't rich uh, in money, but man, I was rich in rich in football and also rich in, in friends and family is what it is, you know. And and you create that connection for life with those guys, which is really cool. Coach, what's it like, you know, being at you know maybe a, a school? And, and I've had a couple of buddies that have done. You know, I, I talked to to Coach Maddox. Uh, he he just done it at the, his last job, where you have to coach both sides of the ball can you talk a little bit about having to kind of prepare you know being able to obviously coach you know QBs but then having to also kind of flip the script and having to coach 
you know, another side of the ball? What are the pros? What are the cons? How are some of the things that maybe when, when you go about clinicking, you know, how, how do you kind of get that done or, or how do you best manage your time to kind of be able to you almost have to be kind of, you know, schizo a little bit to, to be able to do it. And it's, it's something I've done, you know, at, at the lower levels of football, but I've never really had to do it, you know, at a varsity level where you're having to really, really game plan and dig into it. Yeah. So, so you said it, you said you almost have to be schizo. That, that's, you know, I've, I've had other coaches kind of ask me how I go about that. And it, it's funny, you almost have to have a split personality, at least for me, uh, when you're coaching quarterbacks and, and safeties, um, you know, I have to really approach those two positions very differently um, as far as how I coach them. Um, so with the quarterbacks, you know, I, you know, I played quarterback and it never helped me out when a coach you know, got in my face or started screaming and yelling and, and hooting and hollering and all that stuff, at least not at, at the quarterback position. You know, it's one of those positions where you've got to know where everybody is. Um, you've got to understand everything that's going on with the game. And when you make a mistake, everybody sees it. So the coach coming over to scream at you, you know, in my opinion, isn't, gonna, isn't really going to help anything out. So that's the way I coach my quarterbacks. Um, but then when it comes to the, the safeties, um, you know, I'm not getting in their face and screaming, but I'm certainly more intense – and, um, you know, vocal. So when they make a mistake, it's a little bit more intense. It's a little bit more, hey, we got we to gotta get this done, you know. And uh, you know, I'm definitely more energized on the defensive side of the ball as well. Whereas when I'm coaching those quarterbacks, I know that, you know, if I want my quarterback to be calm, um, I, I have to be calm as well. So I have to understand that there's going to be some mistakes, uh, but I have to make those teaching moments, uh, not moments where I, I blow up on the quarterback. You know, and then when it comes to safeties, you know, same thing. I still want to teach those guys. I don't want to, you know, do anything that's going to ruin our relationship where I can't coach them. Uh, but at the same time, there's a little bit more energy. There's a little bit more, um, you know, not excitement, but just kind of getting into them a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, it, it's something where, you know, the pros, obviously it's great to know as much about football as you can. You know, I, I love studying the offensive side, the defensive side, uh, and even the special teams. I help out with special teams as much as I can. Uh, so it's one of those things where I try to find something on offense that I really want to study in the off season, you know, one or two things. But then I know defensively I need to pick one or two things as well that I really need to study. Um, so it, it's a lot of time management, uh, but then it's also a lot of self-reflection. Okay, so where do I need to grow as a coach um, and then where does our defense need to grow? And then where do my players specifically, where do we need to grow? What do we need to improve on? So is there a way that, you know, can I find a, a drill that's going to help us out um, with a certain coverage or with a certain technique? Um, is there a certain, um, you know, way to teach a defense to help our guys out? Um, so it, it's really just kind of managing, you know, myself and trying to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to better ourselves and then find a way to get that done. Uh, so it's funny you said that because that's exactly how I think of it is I have to take each position, QBs and safeties, I have to, you know, attack them in two different ways for sure. Is there any carryover with, with how you are as a quarterback coach and a safety as far as um, not, not personality-wise, but how you can teach your quarterbacks or how you can teach your safeties because you are so proficient on the other end. Uh, is there some things, you know, I don't know if that's coming or, or, you know, across the right way, but, you know, teaching a quarterback, but with you having um, the idea and even coaching safeties, giving them a little bit more 
precise thought process of what a safety is thinking? Do you think that helps your quarterbacks? Does it help your safeties knowing what quarterbacks are looking for? Um, you know, both those? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's great being able to, you know, coach my safeties and tell them exactly how the quarterback um, is his progression within a play or, um, you know, what a receiver is trying to do on a certain uh, concept and understanding the best way to defend that without a doubt. Um, and, and just the other day, um, you know, I did a little Zoom recording uh, for our quarterbacks and safeties as well, looking at a couple of different uh, cut-ups um, of some colleges and just kind of breaking down the defenses uh, for those quarterbacks. So it absolutely helps me as a safety to understand, um, you know, what the defense is trying to do, you know, that they're trying to – you know, whether they're trying to trap the corner or whether they're, um, you know, delaying the blitz or whatever it may be, uh, being able to understand what the safety is trying to do or the defensive backs in general are trying to do absolutely helps move those quarterbacks and then the vice versa. You know, I've got some safeties who are, uh, you know, really smart in understanding what the offense is trying to do um, and, and they're able to, to make plays. You know, one of my safeties this past year, he had seven interceptions as a first-year safety and it's mostly because he understands what the offense is trying to do, you know. And so I think that's one thing that helps me. But, you know, the other thing, we are a very small school. So a lot of our guys play both sides of the ball. So they're, they're out there playing offense, you know, running routes, and then they're jumping, uh, you know, at free safety, uh, you know, the next possession. So they, they understand it. They get both sides of it as well. So, um, yeah, of course, it absolutely is, is a pro being able to know both so well. Um, but players being able to play both uh, really helps as well, which is an awesome thing to be able to get to experience. Coach, how do you guys set up like your, your player meetings then? Is it something where, you know, you go a defensive day, offensive day, or is it something, you know, and to me it'd be weird, but or maybe you guys do it, but like, you know, first 15 minutes I'm, I'm coaching QBs and it's like flip the script. Then I got I to gotta coach safeties. How do you guys kind of break up? you know, your, your player meetings, you know, during the, the season? And, and how do you kind of manage all those different things, having to prepare for both sides of the ball? Yeah, so, um, so the way we, we generally do it is <clears throat> we'll meet with all of our players on Saturday after the game, and we'll watch film. Um, and we'll kind of split that up, offense and defense, um, as much as possible. And generally, it actually ends up being uh, the big guys – uh, the big skill and the and the little skill, you know, the, the, the big guys and, and the, the receivers, quarterbacks, and all those guys kind of splitting them up and watching film. And then generally what we'll do once we get into the week is, um, you know, Monday before practice, we'll have some film time and meeting time, and that may be a, uh, an offensive meeting day. And then we'll go into practice, and two-thirds of practice will be focused on offense, and then that last third will be on defense. And then we'll go to Tuesday, and Tuesday before practice will be a defensive meeting time and defensive film. And then we'll go into practice, and that'll be two-thirds defense, and then the, the back half, the back third uh, will be offense. Um, and then Wednesday, we kind of have some, some leeway in what we do. Um, it kind of just depends on what we feel like we need the most work on. So Wednesday, we may meet um, – we could meet a short period of time with offense and a short period of time with defense – or if we feel like we really need more defensive time, we may meet all defense um, or vice versa. And then the same is true for practice on Wednesdays as well. We try to split it kind of down the middle with our practice time. Um, but again, if we're going up against an offense that week uh, who just has all types of formations and lots of different route concepts and lots of things that we have to prepare for, 
uh, we may end up giving a little bit more time uh, to defense. So, so Wednesday's been kind of, you know, play by play it by ear a little bit, just kind of what we need to do. Um, so it is a little bit, uh, you know, different, you know, from what other schools are used to. Um, but it's actually been pretty good for us. You know, once you get into the, the once you get to the hang of it, it's it's not that bad. You know, you, you get used to it, and it, it's very workable for sure. As long as you have a good schedule. If you know your schedule, you understand what you're trying to accomplish, and then those players understand the schedule as well. Um, from what I've seen, it, it works all right. Yeah, I think that schedule makes a lot of sense. I mean, I sit here and I'm and I'm writing it down. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense to me, and I, I would think too. I mean. You know, the, those days, I always liked it because, I mean, we, we do a lot of the same stuff here at Ankeny. We'll have a good number of guys who, you know, will we'll play both ways. I, I, I loved it from the aspect of, you know, I'm, I guess I'm not really coaching on the defensive side, but, you know, a lot of my, quote, best players will go over to play defense. It gives me a, a really good opportunity, I always felt like, to now develop, you know, a lot of my, my next level guys and getting those guys ready to play, you know, be it JV or, or building it for the future. So, you know, to me, splitting it like that, it makes a lot of sense. And then at the same time, you know, I just felt like you'd be able to maximize your time and, and, and develop every single player instead of, you know, me just coaching five or six guys as a varsity receivers coach. And that's all I did. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what's awesome um, about that situation as well is, you know, there, there's some guys, you know, there are just some guys on the team that aren't quite ready to, to help us out in a game. Uh, but those guys aren't sitting off to the side. Those guys are getting every single rep that they can on, you know, scout team offense because a lot of our, you know, guys are going both ways. And then they're flipping around and they're playing defense. Um, so those guys are getting lots of experience. So by the time, you know, the season is over, those guys have had uh, the experience of almost a full season. They're going up against these varsity guys every single day. Um, offensively, defensively, and even special teams. So I, I, I see what you're saying. There's a lot of uh, development there that happens, um, you know, especially being able to just coach those guys, um, you know, offensively, defensively, and, and really, you know, getting all the reps that we can with those guys. How does that come about with your coaches' meetings? How do you guys decide, um, as you guys as a staff, how do you decide who needs to be playing both ways? Do you want a guy to just play one way? Um, are, are you looking, you know, there's, a, I'm sure, a thousand different ways to do it, but how do you guys sit down and decide who's going both ways and, and who's going, you know, a single way? Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that, that's a really tough, uh, tough thing to figure out. That, that's always, it seems like every meeting we have, that's one of those conversations that kind of comes about. Um, so we really try to, you know, we try to figure out where our weak spots are. Um, you know, we have some guys who certainly can play both ways. Um, but if we feel like we have another player that can play a, a position and be really good and serviceable for us, um, it's probably better for us as a team uh, to have, you know, one starter on offense and one starter on defense. You know, but there are times where, you know, maybe we have uh, a corner that's just a lockdown player and we have to have him there at corner. Uh, but at the same time, he's also – our best tailback or one of our best tailbacks, and we've got to get them some runs as well. Uh, so it's one of those things that, you know, it, it, it's there's not a, you know, a black and white answer. Uh, it's one of those things that kind of goes week to week, understanding who you're playing, um, but then kind of figuring out, okay, is there somebody else that we can fill in that role that's going to be, um, you know, good enough for us in that position? You know, do we feel like this guy can get the job done? Um, if if not, then we'll have to have somebody go both ways. Uh, but it's one of those things that we talk about all the time. 
So ger generally what we don't want to do is we don't want to have um, our O-line start both ways. You know, there are some cases where that has to happen and we'll definitely rotate guys in. Uh, but we feel like that's our biggest thing uh, is we want our off the line and defensive line to be uh, rested and powerful. Um, you know, th those are a couple things that are really good for us last year. Our D-line was really, really good. They were big and strong and powerful and quick. And we felt that if we kept those guys fresh, uh, we were going to be able to, to win every single game. And same with the offensive side of the ball. You know, on the O-line last year, we were really, really young. Um, so we felt like trying to keep those guys just on offense would help those guys tremendously. If they didn't have to think about, you know, defensive, you know, concepts, if they could just focus on running power and, and counter and, and buck sweep and, you know, those things that we do, a little bit of wham, if we could keep them thinking about those things and keep them fresh, uh, that would be most beneficial for us. So, you know, long answer, there's not really one – uh, one way we kind of figure it out it is kind of a, a changing scenario week to week uh, and just trying to figure out if, if we have a guy that can play one way to help us out and fill that spot. So it's definitely a tough conversation to have. Our, our defensive coordinator, he's, he's, uh, that's the conversation he brings up a lot. And it's one that needs to be brought up. Uh, but it's definitely a changing situation week to week. I got you. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, that's, I think, at, at almost every school in the country, uh, that's the big, the big. I don't so want to say argument, but that's the big, you know, meeting that go, that goes down. And like you said, probably on a weekly basis is, okay, you know, who can we get away with keeping, you know, only on one side? And if that's true, what side's he going to be on? And who needs to play both ways? And then sounds like you guys have already had a good system. But then, what's our system for playing both these guys on both sides? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's definitely a puzzle trying to put that puzzle together, you know, and, you know, and part of it is having guys fresh later in the season, you know, um, especially as we, you know, as we're having success throughout the season, we feel like we can rest some guys a little bit more um, and then having them prepared to go both ways uh, for the playoffs or, or, you know, in different scenarios like that. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a puzzle that, that we have to uh, put together uh, week to week. How do you Coach, guys kind of, go ahead? I was just going to, you know, continue with the O-line, D-line, you know, question, you know, try, trying to put them on one side, but then also understanding, man, we get into a, a knockdown, drag it out game. We're going to have to have some depth. You know, how do you guys kind of, you know, cross train guys, you know, do you pick your, Hey, these are two offensive linemen we feel like can give us 10 snaps on defense and Hey, can we, can we teach, you know, Jimmy on defense to, to be right guard and block down on power or he could pull on buck sweep. How do you guys kind of manage that as well, knowing you're going to have, quote, contingency plans just in case somebody does go down? Or is it something where you're like, you know what, we let them go one way, we, we kind of live with the depth that we've built behind them because the guys are only learning one spot? Yeah, so you kind of said it there. Um, you know, it's kind of figuring out, you know, what our – so let's say our, our starting right guard plays right guard, but then we need him uh, to play – you know, our, our one technique or whatever it may be. Uh, it's kind of figuring out, okay, what is the, the one or two spots that he can play on this D line and know well enough um, that he can get the job done? You know, so that's one of those things that, you know, the, the, our D line coach and our O line coach really, um, and it, it's the whole staff that kind of talks about it, but those two guys have to really, you know, talk and figure out, okay, um, you know, where can this guy help us out on defense. You know, we want him to be on offense. We want him to play right guard. Uh, but there are going to be times where we're, we are in a squeeze and we got to have him somewhere on, on defense, you know. 
Uh, so it was kind of figuring out, okay, what can this guy do? That's not going to overwhelm him, uh, but where he's going to be able to help us out um, in this situation. So it's really just kind of, like I said, planning out um, and, and figuring out who can do what and teaching them that one job as, as best as possible. You know, so maybe the right guard, he's going to be our one tech and then our, our, our left tackle, he can play three technique. And then we have this other kid who's kind of our swing uh, offensive lineman and, and he's going to end up starting for us on the D line. Uh, so it's kind of just figuring out those things beforehand. Um, but at the same time, like I said, if you're trying to have a guy that plays O line and that's his thing, I feel like you have to have a place for him on defense, even if it's just one spot, even if it's just, just that one position uh, where he can come in and feel comfortable uh, playing in that one spot. Um, you know, I hope that that makes sense, but you know, just making sure that he knows that one position without overwhelming him and where he can be, um, you know, a good player for you, even in that squeeze uh, and tough situation. Yeah, exactly. Well, coach, so kind of flipping it now, I'm kind of curious as an offensive line guy. Um, and so Let's say I was I was your quarterback and I come in as a as a freshman or a sophomore because that's that's about the understanding I have of of the pass game or the quarterback position probably uh, <laughs> is the one of the you know it's a day one or the first week whatever you want to say what what's some of the first things that that you're going to be telling me about talking to me about what's my base fundamentals as far as anything what's what's important I mean is it are you going to go right into how you read certain defenses are you going to install uh, are you going to be talking about footwork? What are, you, what are you teaching me as a quarterback as I come in as a, as a young freshman? Yeah, so, uh, you know, as a, as a young guy, uh, I really want to make sure that our mechanics and our footwork um, and all that basic stuff is sound. You know, I, it's going to be really difficult to teach you how to read a defense if, um, if, you're, if your footwork is poor, if you're not being able to get a good drop and you're not putting yourself in the position to make the play. Uh, so. First thing we're going to do is we're going to start with the feet. You know, the, the feet are obviously the base of, of everything. You know, we want a good base. Uh, we want to be able, uh, you know, have good balance and transfer of that weight, transfer of that balance, um, and then making sure that everything is online. Uh, so, so one thing we do uh, before every practice or almost every practice um, as quarterbacks is we start just with our feet. So I'll have our guys stand on a line and we'll be in a balanced uh, power position ready to uh, you know, throw the football, and we will just step. That'll be the first uh, phase of um, our, our mechanics. So we will just step. So we'll, we'll be balanced, we'll be pushing off our back foot, and we'll step, uh, open up that front hip, that front knee, and, and get our foot to our target. And that's what we'll do. We'll do that five to seven times, right? And then we'll, we'll reset. And then we'll add the next component, which is stepping and then opening up, uh, popping that chest is what we say. We pop open that chest. So we'll step and pop open the chest all kind of at the same time, five to seven times. And then and we haven't even loaded the ball up yet. We haven't even pushed our arm back to throw the football. Then we'll put that third component in where we're stepping, we're popping the chest and loading up all at once. And so I think that. You know, it, it can get kind of boring probably for those guys, but I really emphasize that, you know, th this is important that we can do this, that our mechanics are uh, correct every time we throw the football, you know, and that it, it becomes muscle memory. It's just something that comes natural, you know. And I'm not one of these coaches who, you know, the players have to all look the exact same when they do something. You know, everybody's body is a little bit different. Everybody has a different uh, range of motion. Um, everybody, you know, likes different things. Uh, but I do have a base – 
um, you know, base requirements for my guys. And, you know, that, that's feet, hips, shoulders, head. And then I want that elbow to be at least um, shoulder height or higher. You know, it doesn't have to be super high, um, but I, I don't want them side on them. You know, so um, that's kind of where I started. It all starts with the feet. You know, and then, you know, once we, we get that done, um, then we can kind of get into our drop, you know, and, uh, you know, at National Christian, we don't, we're not really under center all that much. We're mostly pistol and shotgun, um, but I still teach my guys how to take a snap under center and get a drop from under center, uh, because I feel like if you can get a, a, a drop from under center, the pistol and shotgun stuff is going to be super easy. Um, so we, I still teach those guys how to get a snap under center because we're going to need it for victory formation and, and, and different situations, uh, spiking the football. Uh, but then I also teach them how to uh, get a drop from under center because I feel like it's a little bit more difficult, um, but it's a really good way to teach those guys. You know, when you're under center, that first step, you have to push off really hard. You've got to get a good push uh, to get separation from the O-line, which is something that you don't necessarily have to have quite as much in pistol or shotgun. Um, so, I, but I think that's a really good, um, something really good to have those guys do, you know, it's part of the mechanics in my opinion. So I have them take, uh, snaps under center, get a good first step. And then it's all about getting our feet and shoulders and eyes to our target, which, um, can be a little bit more difficult under center as well. Um, so yeah, so we start with mechanics, uh, footwork. And once I feel good about all that type of stuff, then we start working into our progressions and stuff. And we'll just start with the basic. Uh, basic stuff, you know, reading a corner or reading a safety uh, before we move into uh, deeper progressions, right? And then eventually, once those guys understand all that, um, we do throw quite a bit of RPOs, uh, which I absolutely love teaching our guys how to read that stuff. So uh, eventually we get to that. But yeah, you got to have good mechanics. You got to be able to take a good drop. And then I start teaching the basic, uh, basic reads there on defense. Walls kind of pushing it to you. Is that is that a similar starting point that you had when you were working with young kids with quarterbacks? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's kind of putting the cart in front of the horse. If you're, if you're teaching him, you know, reads to begin with. Now, if there is classroom work and things I'm doing, I'd be, you know, like coach had said before, when he, when he was talking about coaching safeties, you know, just having early conversations with them about the most basic things. Like, is there one safety in the middle of the field? Is there two safeties in the middle of the field? So I think, you know, getting them to maybe, you know, ID some of those things and, and you kind of tie it into when you're teaching footwork and you're teaching them, you know, to be able to explode away from the center. It's a way for them to kind of keep their eyes up as well. I know coach probably is talking a lot about their eyes and their head uh, as well. You know, don't want to be looking at the ground. Don't want to be looking backwards. Don't want to be looking out to the side, you know, exploding away from the center and then having them kind of scanning the, the middle of the field early on. So, yeah, absolutely. There's a, a lot of the, the same things I would be teaching those kids and especially uh, keeping it super simple. I mean, what a complex position. I think the worst thing you can do with a, a young QB is is turn him into a robot. So give him a few things to, to do and think about and then kind of let his natural talent hopefully take over and then just give him feedback from there. Yeah, absolutely. And and the guy we have at quarterback uh, this past year, he's a first-year starter. Uh, he's a, a junior. Uh, he did great for us. A uh, really smart kid. Uh, but one of his things that he really struggled with at the beginning of the season was uh, just trying to do too much. You know, he's, he's an overachiever kid. He's like a 4.3 GPA guy. Um, so he's always trying to, you know, do the most he can, which sometimes, you know, comes back to, to bite you in the rear a little bit. Uh, so I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, you, 
we just want to make the read. We want to do what we need to do and then get the ball to the right player. You know, don't try to do too much. You know, you're not going to score a touchdown on every single play. Um, and then, like you said, um, a big part of what I teach, like you said, is, is finding that safety. Uh, so it's pre-snap. We want to be able to see where those corners and safeties are, try to figure out what possible coverages uh, that it could be, uh, figure out if there could be some type of blitz coming our way. Um, and then post-snap, also seeing any type of movement, right? Seeing if those uh, corners drop off or seeing if the safeties roll um, or anything like that. Now, that's not going to be a day one thing, but that, that, absolutely, without a doubt, we want to be able to recognize uh, where the defense is and understand what possible coverages could be coming uh, coming at us. So something that I, I always – or I just found that was really interesting and, and kind of made me think was uh, I was watching – re-watching the, the Manning YouTube video that Walls just sent me a couple days ago uh, and where he goes and, and it kind of travels with him the last year of his career. Um, and and he, they're at the Manning Passing Academy and, and he's talking and, and he's – you know, his big key point to all the quarterback coaches is – uh, if a guy comes in and has a throwing motion and it works, we're not here to change their throwing motion. Uh, we're here to give them some tips and, and make theirs a little bit better. But if they can throw it, we don't want them to go away from here and be even worse at throwing because you've tried to ch completely change their throwing motion. Um, I'm sure there's some like non-negotiables with throwing motion and there's some some things that they have to do maybe out of every throwing motion. But how much is it as a quarterback, I'm assuming like a pitching coach, that each guy has a little bit of his own thing? At what point do you allow him to do his own thing? And at what point do you start reining in uh, his motion or his, his throwing? Yeah, so, you know, again, there's those basic things that – those basic fundamentals that, uh, like you said, are non-negotiables. You know, we have to have our feet and our hips and our shoulders in the right place. You know, unless it's a strained situation, you know, there are – of course, there are awkward throws um, that you have to make in games. Um, so, so that's different. But, you know, if we're practicing and there's, you know, there, there's not a defense uh, coming to, you know, to make the play on us, our feet – our hips, our shoulders, and our head all have to be in a good position. You know, we, we have to be in the right position and balanced, you know. Uh, but like you said, you're making me sound really smart comparing what I said to Peyton Manning. I appreciate that. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to change up my quarterback's throwing motion unless um, it's not going to work, you know. And like I said, we want that elbow to be um, even with the shoulder or higher somewhere in that area. So there, there's a, a pretty wide range that you can roll with. Um, but I don't want to change up that quarterback's throw in motion. You know, it's similar to, to basketball where, you know, a guy can shoot the ball pretty well and then uh, a coach comes up and, and starts talking to him and tries to tweak the shot a little bit. Next thing you know, the guy can't hit anything. You know, that, that's not what we want. I don't want my quarterbacks um, overthinking how they're throwing the football. You know, I want them to be able to analyze the defense, um, understand what the offense, what, what play we're, we're running and, understanding what we're trying to get from that play um, instead of overthinking what he's doing with his arm, you know. Uh, but like you said, there are some non-negotiables. It's all about the feet, uh, hips, shoulders, head, and then making sure that elbow is high enough and then make sure we're finishing through our throw. You know, a lot of guys, um, especially the young guys, they don't understand that throwing the football and throwing anything is a full body motion. You know, that back hip and that back leg has to kind of come through your throw. Right. If you're throwing the football or baseball or whatever you're throwing, if that back leg uh, stays planted and doesn't kind of come through with the throw, or you're only getting about, you know, half your body into the throw. 
You know, we want to be able to push off that back leg a little bit. And we're pushing. We're, we have so much force with our throw. And we get, we're getting everything into it. But that back leg naturally kind of comes with us. You know, so it, those are kind of some of my non-negotiables. But absolutely, I don't want – I don't want my quarterbacks overthinking anything, you know, and like I said, I coach basketball as well. It's the same thing with those guys shooting. I don't want those guys overthinking anything. If they're making their shot, let them make their shot. You know, we'll, we'll change things if it needs to be changed. Arp, it's kind of like, you know, you talk about the, the center, center shotgun snap, <clears throat> you know, a lot of it's, you know, you don't, you don't want to overcoach it. Uh, mm -hmm. I think a, a lot of the, the mechanical stuff and throwing stuff, I, I, to me that gets done in the off season. But I mean, here is always kind of my thing. I mean, when you're when you're the offensive coordinator and you're the quarterback coach, you know the the guys almost kind of just naturally separate. It's weird, you know. And the guys that want to be really really good quarterbacks, they're the ones that that throw a lot. They're the ones that work on their footwork. They're the ones that work on their stroke. You know, the the guys that think quarterback is cool, you know, and 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 you know every now and again they'll pick up the football and throw. Generally, those guys aren't going to be the guy anyway. So if you're kind of the the coordinator and the varsity QB coach, I'm still going to coach the guy, but at the same time, I'm not going to invest a lot of time because he hasn't invested a lot of time either. So a lot of times it, it naturally works itself out because those kids are so driven and those kids want to, want to be in there. And then, you know, you bring up great points with Peyton Manning. I mean, those guys, the great ones want to be coached. So the kids that, you know, do put in the time, they do want to watch the film and then, you know, they, they have a few questions like, Coach, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, inaccurate throwing to my left or I'm a little bit inaccurate throwing the post. To me, that's when I'm giving them the feedback. You know, you're, you're losing power. You're not driving off your back leg. You're not extending at the target. I mean, all those little things I think you can do. But if, if a kid comes to you and his throwing motion looks like an unfolding lawn chair, you know, I'm not going to have enough time to, to fix all the things that are wrong. And, and, you know, for having those conversations with those kids, it's like, you know, hey, if you want to be the guy, you know, th this is all stuff that you should have been showing up all summer for. You know, we've had these camps and we've had these throwing sessions. So I think a lot of it kind of works itself out naturally because you find a lot of those kids who are really, really driven and, and want to be, you know, want to be the guy. And, and naturally, you know, I, I don't know many people, they want to be able to throw the ball accurately too. So it, it's kind of a funny and uncanny thing, but it's weird how a lot of it just kind of, quote, works out. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, like you're saying, I've got – uh, I've got real, two really good uh, quarterbacks. You know, I've got one who is going to be a senior, and he works his tail off. You know, I have to tell him to go home sometimes. Uh, you know, just last night he was texting me at, uh, you know, 1230 uh, midnight asking me about a run concept. I, I've been studying duo this offseason a lot, and, you know, I've been talking to him about it and kind of thinking of some RPO stuff off of it, and he's – He's texting me. He won't stop texting me. I go, hey, man, go to bed. You've got class in the morning, you know. But that's that hard work you're talking about, you know. And it absolutely, those guys end up separating themselves. You know, if you keep working that hard, if, if you're focused on the little intricacies um, of the position, uh, you're going to separate yourself. You're going to get better. And, and that's what this kid did last year. He, he didn't start as a sophomore uh, first year starter as a junior and man he made huge improvements and the same is true for the the guy that's behind him right now he's a freshman going to be a sophomore and uh, he, he's he's in a similar situation where he he works his tail off and it's it's awesome getting to coach a couple of guys like that you know and then we have a third guy but he also plays receiver uh, so he's kind of bouncing back and forth um, but like you were saying it's awesome being able to go coach those guys and have little throwing sessions and 
being able to, to positively critique those guys and things to make them better. And they want that information. You know, they want to be coached. You know, that they want to be told when they're not doing something uh, correctly, which is absolutely awesome. Those are the guys you want to coach. That's Those are the guys you want on your team. And then eventually those are the guys you want working for you or working with you, um, you know, in the real world. Yeah, the quarterback room is kind of a, a, a weird room to me because there's there's only one guy that can, can play. Uh, and so to me, I'd always thought like everyone would not get along very well. It seems like, at least with my personality, I, I don't know how well I'd get along with everybody if, if I had a guy or two starting in front of me. But it seems like, you know, it's different, obviously. It can't blanket statement anything. But the ones that I've been around, it's like all the quarterbacks get along really well and hang out a bunch and are all really good friends. And, and uh, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a different deal from what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's certainly a uh, – it can be a strange situation. Like you are saying, uh, you know, there's, there can only be one guy, you know. Um, so th- there could be jealousy at times. Um, but like you were saying, I, I haven't had that experience yet. So I, I think a lot of it is, you know, just having good kids that, you know, want the best for their team, um, but then also understand that it could be their time at any moment, you know. Uh, they may not be the starter for this game, but they could get called upon in the, the first quarter, second quarter, whenever it may be. Um, but, you know, yeah, it, it is kind of a strange dynamic at times, especially when you have two guys who could certainly be the starter. And that's kind of where we are right now as a football program. We've got two guys who uh, easily could be the guy. Um, so it's one of those things just kind of managing personalities and keeping things light. You know, we, we want to compete and be focused, you know, a laser focus when it's time to, to work. Uh, but at the same time, creating that relationship and that bond with those guys where, you know, we can joke around and, and, and goof off a little bit outside of football or at before or after football uh, just to, you know, keep things in perspective. You know, yeah, we're out here to play football, but, you know, at the same time, we're, we're uh, it, it's more than just football. You know, we're out here to build relationships. We're out here to, uh, you know, mold young men. Um, but, and then at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's all about, um, it's all about Christ and what we do for, uh, you know, for him and the kingdom. So it, it can be a tough situation, a dynamic situation at times. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's worked out pretty well for us so far. Our, our QB situation right now is super similar. And, and we got two seniors to be. And, you know, the, the starters, you know, returning first-team All-Stater, led the state in passing, you know, has four or five D1 offers. And then, you know, the, the backup kid is just an absolute stud also to work with. You know, a little bit smaller, but just knows the game inside and out. And you talk about, like, those relationships. Like, uh, our backup quarterback, his parents, like, I mean, he was born, like, late. His parents are, like, like 70, like, super, super old. So they're completely scared, you know, of, of COVID, you know, and, and, and that stuff coming in, you know, right. all, all that. So he's actually like quarantining with our starting quarterback's family. Oh, my like goodness. That, like that's how close those guys are and, and how competitive, you know, but, but they still have fun with it. And, you know, we, we've had times where, you know, the starter goes out and seriously, our, our backup was, was like more efficient. Like he had like better, you know, you talk about a like QB rating. You know, he was like 12 of 14 on the season through like three or four touchdown passes. So I mean, he's talking crap like, man, I was more efficient. You know, he came in in the playoff game and throws a big touchdown. But I mean, you talk about that relationship, that, that's all part of that culture. And then you also talk about, you know, you know, being, you know, believers in Christ. I mean, that's the way our, our starting QB is, too. You know, he's a believer. He understands things happen for a reason. And, and he's the first guy, you know, when 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 Riggs throws a touchdown pass, our backup guy. He's the first guy there congratulating him. So, I mean, 
I think, again, it's that culture that you start and then obviously, you know, how, how the kids are raised, you know, I mean, they're, they're both living together right now. It's, it's so cool to see. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I mean, that's, uh, you gotta love that. That's pretty cool right there. Having those guys, uh, you know, living together right now in this unique time, this is a you know crazy situation that's going on, you know, in the world, but you know, that, that's pretty cool that those two guys are, you know, have that type of relationship where, uh, yeah, they can compete, but man, they're, they're, they're still buddies and friends like that. That's awesome. Well, Coach, you kind of hit my key word. You talked about duo, um, and, and it's one that, that I've, I, uh, I haven't necessarily learned to grasp. And, and I have a, at times, and, and I've gotten a little bit, but my, my goal or my mission is to really find out as much as I can about it um, because it doesn't just make a ton of sense to me necessarily. Uh, so what have you, since you studied it and, and kind of made it a, a, a big offseason uh, thing to look at what have you what have you got from it what are some of your your takeaways uh, for that play yeah so I think uh, you know there, there's a few different teams this past year that have ran it and ran it well um, and they've ran them in different ways so LSU ran it um, you know and they ran it whenever they wanted to kind of in the open field as well um, but the thing that made LSU unique was their ability to not have a hand in the ground tight end they were able to put that tight end, uh, you know, in a standing up position and then bunch, really a bunch set where you have two receivers um, that can go make that double team block, but then they can also run whatever route they want to run, which is what made LSU really, really difficult. So they'd have kind of that tight bunch formation where it looked like they could be run, run duo, which they did a bunch, but then also they'd go run whatever they want, you know, double post, uh, some type of smash concept mesh concept whatever they're doing which makes it really tough because you don't know if they're going to try to you know run the football and he's going to come block you right now or if they're going to release and and you know run all over the field which they did really well as well so that, that's one thing that I noticed but another team that I studied was North Dakota State um, you know and they've been fan you know they've been great for years now uh, but they mostly ran it down by the goal line and I think that's kind of the area you know especially as you know somebody who's wanting to put this play in um, for the first year, I think that's going to be kind of our focus is running duo in short yarded situations, you know, and I like it in short yarded situations um, because you're not pulling anybody. So you're not too worried about uh, run throughs or anything like that. Um, but, you know, a lot of people compare it to inside zone just because it kind of looks similar. Um, but other than, you know, different from inside zone you're coming off the ball with duo you know you're you're blocking back you're coming down hard you're trying to double team work back up to that linebacker hard whereas inside zone guys can tend to be a little bit more tentative coming off the ball at times uh, which is not something you want in short yarded situations um, so it's something we're looking to put in um, I like it um, especially if you already run gap scheme stuff, if you're already running traditional power or one back power or, or buck or counter and all that type of stuff that we already do. Um, so it's something that I really wanted to play around with this spring, even though it looks like we may not uh, have that opportunity. Um, but I like it because we've got a couple really good tailbacks who can read that mic um, and cut off of him. You know, and, and I think it's just really good as well. We've got some, some big O-line we're going to be able to move that double team up to that backer. And I think that's just good for us not worrying about having to pull somebody and, and, and find the gap and then find the backer and all that type of stuff. It's, um, you know, I think it just helps us and it may be beneficial for us in our offense and the guys that we have. Um, but again, I have not installed it yet and I have not seen it in person. 
So, uh, you know, every play is a touchdown until, you know, you get out there and, and line up and run it, you know. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Why, no need to put one in if it's not going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So it's something in theory that I really like. I've watched a lot of clips of it and um, I do like it. Uh, but I think, you know, obviously some of the teaching points would be getting those double teams, you know, uh, what I call uprooting uh, the fire hydrant. We want to uproot that, that D lineman and don't come off too soon. We want to up, uproot him and work him to that backer. Uh, but then also a huge point is um, the tailback has to be patient. You know, he has to read the flow of the mic. You know, if that mic comes and fits a gap right now, uh, then, then we're going to keep pressing the B gap and possibly bounce. You know, if he, if the mic fills B gap right now, we're cutting back a gap and, and, and then working from there. So part of it is teaching that tailback to be uh, patient while also teaching them how to read it. You know, it's not necessarily an easy thing to teach, um, but it does have kind of that inside zone feel to it as well as power. It's just a good kind of combination of the two, the two schemes there. Well, I think that's something difficult to teach a tailback, uh, you know, at any point. I mean, for, for us, the hardest thing for us to teach a tailback is in power to have patience. You know, when we run power, the very first thing you get a young – young tailback in the two things they do are they bounce it outside or they hit it way too quickly and so um, that's always a difficult thing on any play is to teach that patience from the tailback but when you get one that really can um, it, it's it's unbelievable and, and the one I always like to have him watch and I don't think he even played for the Steelers last year but it was the old Steelers tailback um, it was unreal watching how much patience he had to to kind of be really slow to it and then uh you know fast through the hole once he found it yeah yeah Le'Veon he was really good at uh you know being patient back there and then another guy I've been watching uh from a few years ago uh the Cowboys when they still had Romo uh, I forgot who the tailback was it may have been Murray maybe uh, but they were running some duo and he was he was fantastic at being patient uh, but but one thing I've, I've heard other coaches coach up is that that tailback should be playing uh, cat and mouse with that linebacker. You know, make that linebacker make a move, make him fill somewhere first, and then you can attack. You know, and again, that's easier said than done. It, it, that, that's, you know, if you're going to run duo, you've got to really uh, practice that um, in individual time um, as well as working that into group and team periods. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's one thing that I liked. Um, you know, it, it's a cat and mouse type game. You know, make that – linebacker flow somewhere make him feel somewhere and then attack off of that yeah I, I loved doing you know the the end zone shot film and, and I made it all you know butt shots of whether you know we, we did it was just midline zone for us but but just showing him you know that that backside linebacker and being able to see you know is he fast flowing is he is he rocking back over the top is he is he plugging it now and just having those guys sometimes you know even stand up and then what's the cut you know, and they'd be able to say it, hey, split them. Hey, I'm going to hit it back door. Okay, then I'm going to slide front door. But just letting those guys see, you know, see the linebacker flow and then, you know, what would your cut be here? I think those guys got so many, quote, you know, mental reps, acting like they'd taken the handoff and, you know, kind of hit pause. Where would you cut it? You know, or where would you put him? And then where would you cut off of it? How would you jump cut this? I think there, there's so many cool things you can do, you know, with, with your running backs. Like you said, you know, playing the, the cat and mouse game you know, te teaching them to run opposite the bad guy, however you want to teach it. But I think so many times it gets undercoached or, you know, or, or it's just like 
you feel like it should happen naturally. Like, Hey, run away from the linebacker, you know, but maybe you're not, you're not teaching it in the meeting room. You're not drilling it as much and, and you're only correcting it when he, when he does it wrong on film. So definitely yeah. got to find a lot of cool ways to do it. Yeah. And you said it watching film, kind of that end zone copy, um, you know, being able to pause it at different points. Um, you know, that, that's great for those tailbacks because there's times, you know, you get that ball uh, coming downhill and you're ready to hit it right now. Your adrenaline's flowing. Um, you don't really see things like the coach thinks you should. Um, so being able to watch that film and be able to pause and, and show him uh, how the defense is reacting, um, because he's probably not going to be able to see it in real time, you know, especially if he's never done it correctly, never done it the right way. You want to be able to pause and, and let him see, okay, this is what we mean by, you know, this and being able to show him um, all, the, all the different cuts and jump cuts, like you said, and, and being able to see that linebacker and, and that, that way he can actually learn from seeing it. And the next time he gets out there, hopefully uh, he puts it all together. And then, you know, it's one of those things where once you do it right the first time, um, you know, there's a feeling to it. So, you know, when you did it right um, and, and then you kind of want to replicate that, you know, once you do it right once, you kind of kind of figure it out a little bit. It's kind of like riding a bike. Once you do it well once, you know how to do it uh, and you know what it feels like to do it the right way. No doubt. Well, well coach kind of rolling up now on an hour. Uh, but but the la last thing I always like to ask everybody is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, so, uh, so one of the teams I've been looking at a lot uh, the past five, six months or so um, is that 2013 Auburn team. And one thing uh, that's a fun O-line to watch, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm the quarterback guy and the safety guy, but I love watching that O-line. And one thing that they do really well, which I love, uh, it's kind of a combination of things. It's, uh, it's they finish plays really well. And it's not necessarily, you know, pancaking their, you know, the, the, their assignment necessarily, which is, that's great. That's, you know, we, we all love pancakes. Uh, but it's also just, just finishing the play. Even if they cannot pancake the guy, they are uh, working to that next level and just trying to get a hand on that linebacker or a hand on that safety. You know, and, and that's one of those things. It's kind of a nastiness, uh, but it's also a, you know, just, just not giving up, a stick to itiveness of, you know, doing all that I can. You know, I, I double teamed and worked up to my mic, uh, and he's out of the play, and now I'm working up to the safety. I'm just going to try to get in his way as much as possible. You know, that, that's one thing I love to see is an O-line uh, that is just super dedicated to uh, – you know, making as many blocks as they can. You know, they do their job and the tailback sprinting down the field and they're sprinting right there with them trying to make a play. Um, so that'd be one thing that I absolutely love to see. And then the second thing is just that communication. You know, they come to the line and, and the center is making his calls and then the left tackle is communicating with his, his, his left guard and, and that communication of understanding what's going on, you know, and, and making their line calls. That's what I, I love to see. Um, you know, that, that shows that uh, – the O-line coach is doing his job, you know, if, if, you know, he's doing it well, if those guys can get up to the line and, and they're all communicating um, and all talking and figuring things out. Um, and I, I just love to see that, you know, that, that's a cohesive unit right there. So a couple of things there, just kind of that nastiness of finishing plays, uh, but then also just that communication of understanding the play and knowing what they're supposed to work to. I, I love to see it. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. 
Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.